the morning, but I begin at the back, at the television page, and then leaping forward, I come to the stock market. Having with any luck seen that there is no bad personal news, I proceed to the sports pages. Only later, more awake and resilient, do I face page one and the day's prospective desiderata of my profession. That's why I came fairly early today on the romantic saga of Mike Kekich and Fritz Peterson, left-handed pitchers for the New York Yankees, who've been engaged in some kind of experiment in which they are exchanging wives and families, except that one of them, Kekich, I think, is now having second thoughts. Mr. Peterson is living with Mrs. Kekich, but Mr. Kekich is not living with Mrs. Peterson. In the place where I read the paper, there were two reactions. The lady that I share the paper with questioned the story being on the sports page. Shouldn't it be in the society section? Well, she had a point. My feeling is it should be one or the other. If it's going to be on the sports pages, we need to know a lot of things we don't already know. We know that both Kekich and Peterson are left-handed, but we don't know if either Mrs. Kekich, now living with Mr. Peterson, or Mrs. Peterson, now not living with either Mr. Kekich or Mr. Peterson, bats or throws left. Sports page readers treasure these items of information. The other reaction is that whatever the course of the American family, the American newspaper or television screen is not the place to fight it out. Granted, the fascination of reading about the Kekich and Peterson problems is irresistible. The New York Daily News saw that and put it on page one, just as the dirty linen of the Loud family has grabbed our interest. We are all, to some private extent, voyeurs, but it is an area to be controlled and not exalted. In the meantime, I think the story should go to the society section, where most of us won't notice it. From high atop the Robinson Deering Studio Complex and straight out of God's country, Paul's Island, South Carolina, the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network proudly presents Backwards K Pod. And now, here's the host of the show, Jake Robinson. Good moment, baseball universe. What is up? It's your boy, the digital pirate half man at Podcast Machine. Jake the Snake Robinson back in the Captain Kirk chair from the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network. Shields down, photons up. Prepare to engage on this week's audio program that I call Backwards K Pod, where we collect ball players and their stories. Want to welcome all you seamens in here, one and all, from, you know, the grizzled OG veteran coming back for their baseball fix. To, you know, the pod surfer who just barreled up in this wave right here for the very first time. Uh, I come through every, and I do mean every, Tuesday with that free baseball smoke. I will never charge my audience for the content on this show. Not in today's busted economy. Not in any busted economy. I refuse to go there. No Patreon. No crowdsourcing. Not now, not never. 
All I ask in return is that, you know, you, you follow, subscribe, share, download. Backwards K Pod is available on all platforms, wherever you listen to your pods, or you can visit my website at diamondsnakejig.podbean.com for this and all the other shows in my vault of archives. And besides my daughter, there is nothing I love in this world more than talking baseball. If you're on Apple or Spotify platform, please remember to rate and review me as you see fit. I ain't skirt. It's so hard to get those damn stars and reviews. And I hate asking my fans for anything. I mean, I feel like I'm here to provide a service for you and not the other way around. But if you can help a good brother out with those stars and reviews, I would be most appreciative. As for the state of backwards K-Pod, I'm very pleased with the show's continual growth and trajectory. I've done six shows in just the past four weeks, and there is a genuine buzz. I'm, I'm very grateful for all the support as we come down the stretch in the show's first year. I've covered over 155 years of baseball here, from the Cincinnati Redlegs to the 2022 Savannah Bananas. And now, I'm working on all things in between. Every once in a while, I, I like to drop, you know, these old baseball stories. Yeah, I like to put them in your lap that really have... Well, they have very little to do with baseball as a sport, but more to do with the people who play it. For example, in my archives, I did the Mutt and Jeff Bandits, a story told to me by former MLB catcher Rick Dempsey about how his travel league manager, who used to rob banks to fund the team's trips. And look, if you haven't heard that story, you need to get on that. Go to the archives, check that out. It was a story so incredible that at one time, Adam Sandler was thinking about making a movie about, you know, the Mutt and Jeff Bandits. And this week's story, Matt's also, you know, it's also been considered for a movie by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. And we'll get to that in a little bit. And while this week's Shortstop Pod doesn't have, like, a scandalous criminal nature to it, there are, like, these sexual taboos attached to this week's shows as we will be talking about the Yankees' husband swap. Of 1973. Now, I'm going to give you the cast of characters here. Fritz Peterson had been a pitcher for the New York Yankees for three years when Mike Kikich joined the team in 1969. Uh, The two were two birds of a feather as the two clubhouse pranksters quickly became best friends and they lived near each other in New Jersey. Now, Fritz and Mike, they had two distinctively different career paths in baseball. Peterson was well-known in the baseball circles, well-thought-of. He was an all-star on the American League team in 1970, and he actually finished the 1972 season uh, with 17 wins on a pretty bad Yankees team. And Kikich wasn't as impressive. He found himself bouncing between the minors and the show before finally putting together a career best 1972 season that saw him finish 10 and 13 with a 3.7 ERA. In today's game, he would probably be like this loogie type matchup pitcher, but the game wasn't played in that style yet. So, the story goes that Fritz was on an airplane one night 
Uh, you know, this is after meeting Mike's wife and his family. They, the two uh, families have become pretty close. Well, on this airplane trip, there was a mechanical breakdown. There was some kind of problem in the air. And eventually, everything was taken care of. The plane landed safely. Thankfully, no one was injured. But Fritz can remember a feeling of sadness and fear creep into a psyche. Not because the plane may fall to Earth and he would more than likely die. All he could think about was Suzanne, Keekins' wife. All he could think about was her and how sad he was that he never got to know her better. In July of 1972, New York Post reporter Maury Allen invited Fritz and his wife Marilyn to his home for a barbecue party. And Fritz asked Maury if he could bring his teammate, Mike, and his wife, Suzanne. And Maury obliged. The couple had a great time. The couples, I should say. They had a great time conversing with the guests, knocking back a few drinks. And after the barbecue ended, the couple decided to continue their fun at a diner in Fort Lee, New Jersey. Now, Fritz and Mike, they showed up at the barbecue at separate cars with their respective wives, but when it was time to go, Suzanne left with Fritz while Marilyn and Mike rode together to the diner. And everything went well. I, I, I can only imagine the sexual tension in those cars on that ride and the conversation that must have been going on as well. So, since everything went well, the couples decided to hang out the next night at a steakhouse and share dinner. And, however, this time, after the dinner that night, Mike and Marilyn left the restaurant together while Fritz and Suzanne stayed and had a few more drinks. And so this arrangement went on for some time before the two Yankees pitchers realized they were actually more comfortable with each other's wives. So eventually, Kikich pulls Fritz up to have a serious one-on-one conversation about his feelings. And he tells Fritz that he's fallen in love with Marilyn and that he no longer has... You know, these intimate feelings for his wife, Suzanne. And in the conversation, Fritz tells Mike he also feels the same way about his wife. And so the two pull off truly one of the most bizarre trades in sports history when they literally decided to trade spouses and lives. And to be technical, it's always called a wife swap. But it really wasn't a wife swap. It was a husband swap. Both couples had two children, and it was decided that the children involved in this blockbuster trade remain with their mothers. However, the dogs of both families were swapped along with the husbands. (laughs) So, in December, the couple made the trade official... They sent both men packing for their new lives. Peterson and his terrier moved in with Suzanne and her two young daughters. And Keekins and the poodle moved in with Marilyn and her two sons. For the couples involved, it really wasn't a big deal. Everyone agreed to the trade. The two men and two women were happy with their returns. The sexual revolution of the 60s were still very much alive in the early 70s. And wife swapping and key parties, they really were not a new concept 
during this period of time. And being that Kikich and Peterson were pitchers on a high-profile baseball team, the New York City rumor mill was spreading rumors and gossip about the two and their relationship, and it was very easy for the public to determine that the arrangement was lewd and lascivious without knowledge of the details. To clear the air about all the scuttlebutt going on around, both Mike and Fritz, they held a press conference to clear the air, so to say. And in this, like, circus-like press conference, Fritz asked that the public not assume anything sleazy about their situation. He professed that this was a love story. Okay, not your classic Harlequin, you know, romance novel. Maybe a little different than the traditional approach. But the feelings and the intent are real. It wasn't a sex thing. And it really wasn't a cheap swap. Mike would adjust supporters and say, unless people know their full details, it could turn out to be a nasty type thing. And he asked that they don't say this was a wife swapping because it wasn't. In actuality, we swapped lives. Now, we also have to remember that this was the first year of George Steinbrenner owning the team. The Yankees were not very good back then. I mean, simply put, they were mediocre at best. And Mr. Steinbrenner looking for any publicity whatsoever. Well, he, he kind of kept quiet, you know. He, he looked the other way, deep down inside, the no-nonsense boss would keep quiet. And he would plot the team's future. And it was probably going to be without these two guys right here. And if you're a Steinbrenner fan, I have a uh, his bio in my archives. You should really check it out. I think he's a very impressive person. So check out that George Steinbrenner uh, bio there at diamondsnakejake.podbean.com or whatever platforms you listen to your pods on. The duo did did ask uh, that GM Lee McPhail, they asked him not to trade either one of them during the season and, you know, they wanted to remain close to their respective new families. And while the swap did affect their personal lives, it really had zero effect on the friendship or the relationship as teammates during that 1973 season. So, let's take a look at that 1973 Yankees teams and some of the stats from both Kikich and Peterson. The uh, 1973 Bronx Bombers, managed by Ralph Houck. They finished 80 and 82, fourth place in the American League East. Fritz Peterson, left-handed pitcher, 1973. He goes 8-15 with a 3.95 ERA in 31 games. All of them were starts, six complete games, 184 and a third innings pitched, 59 strikeouts, 789 batters faced, 93 ERA plus. And a 1.39 whip. That which is meh for sure, right? I mean, he's below league average in ERA plus by seven points. But look, he's pitching on a abysmal, below 500 team. So the numbers are not disastrous. And, you know, he's like a middle of the rotation arm after Doc Medich and Mel Stoudemire. So all in all, not too bad. Now, Mike Kikich, not so good. As his game kind of imploded, uh, 
His worst numbers yet in his six-year career came in that 1973 season. The Southpaw went 2-5 with a 7.52 ERA. 21 games, 10 starts. 64 and two-thirds innings pitched. 30 strikeouts. He gave up 54 earned runs in those 70, 65 innings. 321 batters faced. A 52 ERA plus and a 2.20 whip, which is just bowling shoe ugly, as good old JR would say, right? So, as you can see, it may not have affected the team or the friendship between these dudes that first season, but it's clearly taking a toll on Kikich. And ultimately, his career. It doesn't amount to much. And his new girlfriend, well, that would all come to a sad end for Mike as he and Marilyn would be on and off for like the next decade, but they never stuck. In fact, she was already looking to get out when it became public knowledge. The Yankees would deal Kikich to Cleveland, where he continued to struggle to a 1-4 record with a 7.02 ERA. He played abroad in Japan and Mexico, pitched 23 games for the Rangers in 1975 before ending his career with the expansion franchise uh, Seattle Mariners in 1977. He went 5-4 with them with a 5.60 ERA. Ironically, the Yankees would also deal Peterson to the Indians in 1974, but Kikins was gone by then, which is just weird when I think they almost became teammates again. And if that's not coincidental enough, Fritz also played for Texas in 1976, the year after Kikich played there. I mean, you know, this has got to be a rib, right? On the other hand, Fritz and Suzanne, they get married in 1974. Four da- daughters of their own later. They're still together here in 2022. They still go on weekly dates together. And they claim to still be in, like, the honeymoon stage all these decades later. Peterson admits he does regret that Mike and Marilyn, they didn't make it, but he feels blessed to have Suzanne as his wife. So, by my count, that is, uh, let me see here. That is, by my count, let me see here. That is six daughters, correct? And the wife who traded for him. So, you know, seven women live in that house with him. Uh, the irony. And by the way, how do the sons feel about dad moving on from their mom and having four more daughters with a new woman? I mean, there are so many layers to this story. By 1978, both players were done with their careers. Their friendship was fractured forever. And, look, to be honest, Fritz had a, he had a fine baseball career. T- take a look at the career stats here. Let's let's take a look at uh, Fritz pa- Peterson here. Left-handed pitcher, Fritz Peterson. 11-year career with the Yankees, the Tribe, and the Rangers. 21 wins above replacement. 133 wins, 131 losses, and a 3.30 ERA. 330 starts out of 355 games pitched. 1,015 strikeouts in 2,218 and a third innings pitched. 9,103 batters face 
and surrendered 2,217 hits, as well as 813 earned runs, a 101 ERA+, and a 1.19 whip. 1970 All-Star, and in 1969 and 70, as I'm looking here, he led all AL pitchers in whip, and he didn't walk a lot of guys, 426 out of 9,000 batters faced, and for five consecutive seasons, from 1968 to 1972, he had the best walk per nine innings ratio in the American League, so not a bad pitcher at all. Not a Hall of Fame game changer, but a very solid uh, 11-year career. In the majors, and like I told you in the beginning, there there was a lot of interest from Matt Damon and Ben Affleck as they began working on a, a movie entitled The Trade. Fritz appeared to be all in. He's happy to help. I mean, you know, why wouldn't he? He won in the end, right? But Keegan's balked at dredging up his past for public consumption. He threatened to sue the production company. And a lot of the former teammates have kept quiet about the story as well. And as of now, this idea is pretty much dead in the water. Now, Peterson, he has no ill will, of course. Like I said, he won. But Keekins is in his feelings to this day about it. And he even told Miami News once, somewhere inside, I'd like to kill him. And to this day, no one is sure if he was joking. And folks, he's kind of gone off the grid. He lives somewhere in New Mexico. He's, he's become like this recluse in life. And Fritz, on the other hand, is living up pretty good. He, he loves doing these stories. In fact, I would love to interview Fritz because I still have many, many questions when it comes to this story. But I think that's where I'm going to end it this week. I want to thank you for stopping by Backwards K Pod for this uh, short stop pod here. I know it was a very short story, but you know, look, it was only for a couple months. It's just one of those weird, quirky stories uh, that are that's kind of involved in baseball that. I don't know. I feel like it will probably live, you know, for another hundred years at least. And I have a lot of personal feelings about this. It kind of, I kind of like to know some of your feelings, honestly. I I understand it's the early 70s and, look, everybody's banging everybody. I I get it. But I feel like, I feel like Fritz wasn't a great fan here. I'm really curious Whose idea it was first? My my guess is it was Fritz, who you know at the beginning of the story I tell you he doesn't care if the plane crashes. He he just wants to rail his his his, his buddy's wife. And Kikich, well, look, it's hard to empathize or sympathize. I don't. Which one is it? I guess it's hard to empathize when you agree to this cockamamie fakakta in the first place. And the grass is always greener on the other side from a far bro. My guess is that Marilyn had fun in the beginning, but then she realized she probably still had feelings for Fritz, but now she can't go to him because he's now with her former friend, and that road's a dead end now. 
And I think she was probably the key figure in this, you know, as far as, you know, everybody feeling comfortable and everybody going ahead with what they were doing. And then I think of the kids. I mean, what are the kids thinking when dad isn't home, but Uncle Mike's car is in the driveway again? At this point, I almost have way more questions than answers. I would really love to know what some of you in the audience think. By all means, hit me up and let a brother know. I'll tell you right now, you know who I feel bad for? I feel bad for the fucking dog, man. I mean, Mike's dog had a great life. A family, a home, love. And the next thing you know, this guy can't keep his dimly bits to himself. And the chick kicks Master out, and now he's ass out of a house. I mean, really. I felt bad for the dog doing the research of this story. So many questions. I would love to hear some of your takes on this bizarre story, as the memory of this story will probably never die. You can email me your thoughts at backwardskpod. I'm sorry, you can email me your thoughts at backwardskpod at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at back underscore K underscore podcast. Or you can find me on the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network Facebook group page. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this week's program. As short, even though it was very short, probably this is the shortest show I've ever done before. But, you know, like I said, it really wasn't a big story. It wasn't a long, drawn-out story. It happened over a course of a couple months. And I feel like it's a story that needs to be added to our collection. So I hope you enjoyed, uh, you know, receiving this story as much as I enjoyed delivering to you. Next week, this train is going to Orange County, California, where we will take an in-depth look at the home of the Anaheim Angels, the Big Ed. I've never been there, but I've been around long enough to see this, that uh, the, the stadium changed so much since I was a kid. So, I'm really looking forward to learning about her, but hey, that's another story for another pod. Parents, if you see your kid sitting on the couch looking bored AF, by all means, take him or her outside and play a game of catch. Thank y'all for coming out. God bless and win the dead.